silly is that? What are we talking about? Let's go do basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Hoop Dreams, the NBA podcast on the 8-Bit Network. I am your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me on them socials just about everywhere at Brendan 8-Bit. And joining me tonight, my podcast partner in crime, Australia's finest. You can find him on them socials at Jono himself. Jono Peck, before I say how you going, I just want to also say the glooming absence here. Mm. Matt Tilby, the, our, uh, our superstar <laughs> front man, who you can be found on them socials at It's Tilby, is off again. Sadly, listeners, the thrush has returned. So he's had to duck out on very short notice to get some kind of ointment to get this under control. So uh, mm. the uh, number two and number three scorers on the Hoop Dreams team are heading this one up. So JP, how you doing? You thrush free? Yeah, I am. I was going to say that he had a, like a meniscus tear or something, but you went with the uh, the, the thrush. So there you go. Sorry, Tills. We're, we're an honest podcast here. <laughs> very honest podcast. You know, we, we air out one another's dirty laundry, especially when they're not here to defend themselves. Mm. So uh, we wish you a speedy recovery. Uh, remember to wash your hands after using that ointment in that space because you don't want it to spread around the rest of your body. But we're here to talk about basketball. We're here to talk about what's been going on this past fortnight. We've got finals basketball going on. Playoffs, and baby. Oh, me, oh, my. Has there been some eyebrow-raising results, JP? How have you been finding the last couple of weeks? I've been uh, reminded once again, as happens every year, that you can't predict NBA playoffs. Like, every time a game happens, everyone wants to come out and say, it's over. You know, the Mavs are up 2-0, they're going to roll the Clippers, the Clippers are going to have to, you know, blow up the experiment, they gave away all those trade, you know, sorry, those draft picks for nothing, and then the whole thing flips around, how many times have we seen this happen, this playoffs with different series starting off one way, there's a narrative like the, you know, the the Nets are going to sweep the Bucks or whatever it is, and it's just like, no, like, basketball is a game of... Uh, it's unpredictable, yeah, it's unpredictable, isn't it? Yeah. And it's a game of runs and, you know, people get hot and then players get hurt and anything can happen. And, you know, the, the Lakers, who I thought were going to win the whole championship, were out in the first yep. round. In, in our, brackets are, our brackets are busted upon busted upon busted. And uh, yep. listeners... Yeah, holy guacamole. Uh, it's been a sweet that Tilby's not here today to, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, um, assign and, and begin the parade and begin the march <laughs> because those uh, Phoenix Suns have uh, not hot. only gone over them LA Lakers in six, LeBron and AD's busted groin uh, were not enough for Booker and Paul and co. And yeah, went down in six games. But then... In the second round of the playoffs, they swept them nuggies mm. four games to zero, uh, to much of a very uh, to much of dismay to Joker, the Joker himself, who uh, decides to get himself kicked out of the game <laughs> in game four with a no. bicep to nose situation to Aaron Payne. I do not agree with the flagrant two. That was ridiculous. But at the same time, I think if they gave him a flagrant one, he stayed in the game. I think they were going to lose anyway. Yeah, it's just not the way you want to see the MVP go out of the playoffs. It wasn't even the last quarter. It was the third quarter. Like, keep him out yeah, there. Yeah, he was cooking. Like, he was, I think he was 28, 11 and something or other at the time. Like, he was filling up that stat sheet as, as the Joker does. But, hmm. yeah, them refs weren't having anything of it. And it was very much very big man versus little, very little man in that exchange. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he got... Uh, he got sent out on the flagrant too, but yeah, them sons, JP. Yeah. You know, are they... You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking a bit of 2011 Mavs potential here. Yeah. In a few ways, yeah. you know. You, you, well, you've got the old vet there in yeah. Paul, and uh, as, as obviously we had with um, with Dirk. So there is some comparisons there, but there is a bit of that magic in the air, isn't mm. there? So the way I'm looking at it, the Mavs went up against the Lakers in 2011, the championship mm-hmm. team, like reigning champions, and they smashed them. I can't remember if it was a sweep or a gentleman's sweep, but they, yeah, they destroyed them. And the Suns have just done that with the Lakers. Again, similar, it's the Lakers defending champs, and they've, they've sent them home early 
when no one expected that to happen to Kobe, no one expected that yeah. to happen to LeBron this year. And uh, they've got that kind of, you know, nobody believes in us. You know, people went, people picked against the Mavericks in every single round of the playoffs that year. Like when they show the talking heads on TV or like the faces and who they picked, like everyone picked against the Mavericks the majority of the time. Uh, and I'd say that's still happening with the Suns. Like I, I definitely thought the Nuggets were going to rally up and have that um, that kind of perf- team performance to, to take out the Suns mm. maybe in like six or seven, but that didn't happen. So yeah, I think the Suns will be probably picked against a lot in the next round, whether it's the Jazz or the Clippers, and they might just shock everyone again. Yeah, it's... It's a very exciting time to be a a fan of NBA, I think. The fact that these super teams are looking very vulnerable or, in the Lakers' case, were knocked out and the Clippers were very lucky to get past them them Mavericks. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the Mavs were up 2-0 and it came, you know, Kawhi switched into playoff Kawhi and started beasting and just doing his thing and asserting his dominance in that game. But poor old Luca just had very minimal support from his uh from the rest of his team. But yeah, it was so LA won in seven. Denver beat my Trailblazers, who I <laughs> said were gonna make it to the Western Conference final uh in six. The Jazz uh beat them Grizzlies in five, even though the Grizz took the first game and then uh they got swept after that. And uh if we jumped onto the east as far as round one, Philly slapped Washington four one. Uh Atlanta, them Hawks, which I am uh, on that bandwagon. You guys are both in the Knickerbockers camp. They uh, they took out that series in five. Milwaukee swept the Heat, mm. uh, destroyed the Heat, Another and then surprise. the Nets. Yeah. And then the Nets took out the Celtics in five. So uh, no real surprises, I guess. There, like I think the I know Heat people gets, were pretty horny for the, the Knicks, Heat getting but... swept is a big surprise. Like yeah, yeah, especially the way that they handled the Bucks last year. You'd think. You know, they're going to push them. They might get it to six or seven and, and lose. But yeah, they just didn't put up a fight at all. So that, that was surprising. And then... Do you think yeah. uh, do you think we're going to get some some very uneasy and, and restless Jimmy Butler off the back of this where he's going to want out again? He's like, you know what? This is my team, but I want another team no. now. I'm out. I think he's the, he's found his home for at least a few more years. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's got... Uh, when you've been to the finals, like they did last year, and you you know lost, disappointed, I think he's probably got that feeling like feeling like we can get back there. Like we just have to get healthy, have a good season. Yeah. So I think you know Pat Riley will possibly be pulling some strings to to get an improved roster there. But they've got the core. You know they've got those young players coming up that need to find form when it counts like they did last year and they just weren't there uh, mm. talking about Mitchell and Tyler Hero but um, yeah there's also the wily vets that like they, they needed that kind of Iguodala type and it, I guess you know as you've been pointing out you think out, they were missing Olenek <laughs> <laughs> as you've been pointing out like a, a, a Kyle Lowry type wouldn't have gone astray this year but it wouldn't have been enough to get them to the like the NBA finals so no, no, but I, I think I think it would have got them a bit more competitive in that first round. Like, it's crazy to think that the two teams that came out of the East and West both got skittled in round one. Mm, so yeah. uh, it's exciting to see. And, and, you know, there's been a lot of just discussion throughout the entirety of this season that it was going to be an all-LA um, conference championship. Yeah. And then um, on the East, it's it's still, still up in the air. Like uh, Brooklyn in games one and two of their matchup against the Bucks looked like the clear, clear favourites, but uh, one rolled ankle to Kyrie and still no sight of James Harden has them uh, nets looking very vulnerable. And the Bucks, after, uh, you know, taking taking their two games on home court off the, off the nets this past couple of days are looking like they're a strong mm. chance to go over the top of them Brooklyn nets and uh, make their way to the Eastern Conference final. Yeah, I mean, coming into this year, I did think the... Nets were going to be the, you know, follow the the prototype of the Rockets in the past where they're just an amazing regular season team that doesn't quite get it done in the playoffs, whether that's because of players that get hurt or chemistry issues. I think either of those could 
potentially be their downfall still. The, the chemistry doesn't seem to have caused any problems, but having said that, they haven't come up against a truly tough opponent yet. The Bucks would, yeah. would be that opponent now, it seems. But um, yeah, it's crazy the amount of games these three stars have played together. It's still only like 10 games. So it's, it's, not, it? it's not what you want as you go into the conference finals or the, even the NBA finals uh, to, to have to, you know, work out some of those kinks on the fly. It seems like when they have played together that they just fall into a pecking order or a, a, my turn, your turn. And mm-hmm. they're offensively talented enough that people just can't outscore them. Like it's going to be 140 to 132, but they're going to win because they're putting the ball through the hoop. So yeah, it will be interesting to see whether those stars can get their health back, Kyrie and, and Harden to, to give Durant a little bit of help out there. But he's just been nuts, like shooting lights out, shooting yeah. with defenders in, in his face. It doesn't make a difference. Apart from like a cold streak in the second half of one of the recent games, he's just been insane. Yeah, but if, if they don't get Kyrie or Harden back and back quick, I think their goose is cooked. Like you can't rely on people like Harris and, and other ancillary players to to step up and get him over the line. Um, you know, KD's a very special talent, but you know him and the sum of the rest of those Nets I don't think are enough to get over Giannis and co. Like Giannis and Middleton at the moment have just been beasting. Drew Holiday's offensive game has been atrocious in this series, but he's playing good D and occasionally pulling out a bit of bit of magic. But um, yeah, the Bucks, the Bucks are a real strong chance of going over the top of, I think, just about everybody's favorites mm. in in this year with with the Nets. But then if we jump on the other side of the East. We've got a very competitive series there between the one and the five seeds. So Sixers versus them Hawks. Tied up at 2-2 after a bit of a comeback rally today. Them uh, Hawks got got the win. Otherwise, they were going to be staring down the barrel of a 3-1 uh, potential uh, potential uh, douche sweep mm. from, um, from, from them sixes. But Trey Young and co. pulled it through. Uh, even John Collins... Did some did some offensive work today. Did a mad, mad, mad putback off off an offensive rebound, which was filthy. But um, it's been a good series. It's been a good series. Like Embiid and and, and Simmons in uh, Game Three and Game Two, but Game Three especially just dominant, dominant, dominant performance, especially from Embiid. He's been on a tear this this series. I think he started out pretty well, but today he went like 0 for 12 in the second half. So I think he mm. may have tweaked his knee or something, that people were saying. So it'll be interesting to see going ahead whether he's healthy and can continue to be like the the piece that, that makes the difference because they had a huge lead in this game that they blew today as yeah. of recording. So yeah, he's such an important part of their offense that when he's, you know, hurt or not, completely locked in then it's going to make the difference and credit to the hawks i thought that they very well could have been swept by the uh the sixers in this series they got through the knicks not like easily it was a a well-earned victory so i just thought the sixers would destroy them but they have won two games so full credit to them i don't think that they could possibly win the series unless something just goes completely wrong for Philly. But yeah. it's, it's... They, they certainly live and die by the three, the Hawks, don't they? Yeah. If they can get anywhere from 15 to 23s made a game, they're, they're usually in it. But yeah. if those stars and ancillary pieces go a bit cold, uh, they get they get uh, walloped, especially when you've got someone like Ben Simmons marked up against Trey Young. Like the size difference is ridiculous. Mm. It's David versus Goliath. You watch these two when they're on the court beside one another, and uh, yeah, Trey just can't defend him. When when Ben Simmons decides to be aggressive, yes. which he needs to do yeah. all the time instead of being so passive at his size, nope, like not many people can stop him because he's a big man with ball skills and in around the paint, he's. He's deadly. You, you get him out of range, obviously. And it's a whole different discussion. But the other game, like where he went, I think it was like eighteen. Um, he didn't. He didn't quite get the triple double. But uh, that ga- uh, the third game there, where he and Embiid were just beasting and feasting, it was uh, a sight to behold. Yeah, they couldn't stop him when he was driving. He was just just yeah. like 
dismantling the the hoop <laughs> with those drives. And you know, the thing that I think is if you're a Hawks fan, you might be disappointed with how this series ends, but I think there's a lot to be happy about, especially the experience these guys are picking up as as a unit, not only as a unit, but for these individuals like Trey Young and John Collins to get those playoff reps at such a young age. It's going to, you know, it's going to it's be a, a good thing for them going ahead. You know, you'd, you'd expect that they will be back in the playoffs next year, possibly, you know, the next couple of years after that, if they can keep the, the team together with Capella being such an important piece. I think that it wouldn't shock me in, you know, two or three years to see the Hawks as one of those, like, conference finals contenders that people mm. are, are backing at the start of the playoffs. It feels like they're certainly ahead of their trajectory. Yeah, like yeah. they've outperformed. I think anyone's expectations in in this in this season. Like uh, I know when we've sort of talked on and off throughout the season, we were hesitant of, of seeing them squeak into the finals. Like we sort of had that spot, I guess, that the Hawks occupied, especially come trade deadline time. That that was maybe like the bull spot with with the moves they made. But the Hawks came good again mm. and found some form at the back end where then poor Chicago Bulls went south. But yeah, they, they look like they're building the right way. They got a lot of young good pieces. Uh, you know, like Cam Reddish is still coming back from injury. You've got um Bogdanovich who's starting to really find his spot in that team. Um and yeah, Capella and then um the the young the young um forward slash center that they drafted this past year who's starting to get a few minutes and he did a vicious, vicious block in today's game, which which made me uh audibly make a sound because I was that impressed. But uh yeah, I think things are looking good in uh, Atlanta there. So it's it's nice to see. And I think I'm with you. Like, I think Philly ultimately takes this series out. Mm. Uh, maybe maybe in six is my thoughts. Like, uh, they might come back pending Embiid's health, obviously. If Embiid is, is not 100% or can't go, I think it's Atlanta's series to lose if Embiid's out for a couple of games. But if he's on the court, I think, yeah, they're just, they're just too strong. They're too big. They're too strong. MB just has his way with whoever he wants in front of him. And the fact that he can shoot free throws at a high clip too is really, really beneficial for him because yeah, he's he's an accurate free throw shooter. He's great around the paint, he's got range, and he's just a beast of mm. a human being. Yeah, you'd have to be pretty happy with how things have panned out for the Hawks, because they could easily be in a position like the Kings or, you know, the the Thunder where they do have a, an exciting young guard, but the rest of it hasn't yeah. come together. You know, the Phoenix Suns took a long time. They basically took until getting Chris Paul. Chris Paul. For, for, yeah. for Devin Booker's value not to be like kind of going to waste uh, in, in, on a team or a roster that just wasn't clicking or, or coached well. So, yeah, the fact that within just a few years, Trey Young has been able to get to the playoffs and make this kind of impact and kind of, mm. you know, it's a shame Luke has gone out in the first round because we'd all love to see what he could do. It, with the pre- with and the it was pressure. a performance for the ages. Oh, yeah. Like the 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 stats he was putting up in that in that series against the Clippers, it was mm. special to watch. Like you know, you and I are pretty big Luca tragics, but just seeing what he was doing day in and day out, yeah. carrying all these injuries and literally like carrying that team on his back. Like no one else really was stepping up. Hardaway got hot here or there, but he was doing everything out mm. there. Yeah, and uh, it's it's just exciting to see what's gonna the future is gonna hold for Luca because. They get some some better pieces around him, and, and I think Dallas will have that similar trajectory as the Hawks do. Yeah. So so with with uh, with Trey Young kind of getting that opportunity to do that after those you know first few seasons in the NBA, it's it's pretty pretty massive, and I think probably not quite like I wouldn't go as far as to say it's it's like uh, you know redemption for the for the trade. Uh, on the yeah, on draft think, day, but I think the whole yeah to think those poor Kings like you mentioned the Kings before the Kings could have had Trey Young or Luca mm. in that in yeah. that year, but went with old Marvin Bagley. Yeah. But yeah, it feels like that trades looking like it, it's still not even. It's no. still not um, apples to apples. Like I think every basketball fan in the world would take Luca over Trey, and that's not a shot towards Trey. He's still a hell of a talent, but. Then Luke is just god tier, mm-hmm. like it's insane. But yeah, Trey's a great piece to build to build around. Excuse me, and Reddish. Reddish looks all right. Yeah, when he's on the field, on the court. Yeah, and then <sighs> we, you know, mentioned Luca and what he could do with the clips. But we've now got 
Paul George and Kawhi Leonard kind of tying things up with the Jazz after, you know, the way that series started. The Jazz were looking pretty good for a while. What do you think they've got coming up in like the next couple of games? It's it's crazy because, yeah, it was exact same situation from the, the Maverick series where the Clippers were down two. They were down 2-0. They're down, they were down 2-0 to the Jazz. And then Kawhi just switched on. Paul George started stepping up and some of their other ancillary pieces were, were providing not only offense, but good defense as well. Um, it's an interesting series. Like if if Utah can get Mike Conley back and if um, if Mitchell is back to 100% because he did he did sit out a few minutes the other the other like not today but uh in game 3 with a bit of an injury when they were getting cooked by the by the clippers if he can get back to 100% and Conley can come back I think it's going to be a really tightly fought seven game series but it feels like right now the clippers have all the momentum yeah all the momentum like I don't know if you're watching the box score today but the first half with the clippers they were absolutely destroying the jazz yeah they're up 30 or something before yeah. half time it was it was what you want to see from the clippers and it's i can't get a read on Kawhi leonard your old friend from toronto because one game he looks like he can't get it done and then, then the next game he scores 40 plus against you know the mavericks and then he's, he's coming out and just like destroying guys on de- on the defensive end and able to just kind of shoot threes in people's faces he he looks mm-hmm. like the best player in the world some days, and he put Gobert on a poster today. My God, did you see that dunk? That was amazing! I, I tweeted that that's like <sighs> the most you can do after a dunk without getting a tech for taunting because yeah. he kind of like leaned over, like kind of just like gave a little leer and ran off. <laughs> yeah, it was, awesome. it was very much like I am your father, yeah. Rudy. I am your father. Like it was, it was nasty. Yeah. But yeah, it's just he's just such a polarizing player because it looks like. He plays parts of the game in like third gear and then he just drops it up to fifth or sixth and then just no one can touch mm. him on, on both ends of the floor. Like once he starts cooking with his shot from the mid-range or on his drives, like he's just such a multi-talented and multi-tooled player that he can he can do anything on the court whenever he wants. But he just seems to just sort of drift in and out sometimes. But it certainly feels like him and him and old playoff P have uh, found that special source and... Uh, yeah, they're, they're looking like they, they might come back here and, and take this series out in, in six, especially if Conley comes back, I think it'll be a bit tighter because mm. having that uh, having that backcourt there might give him, give him some fits. But I don't know, Conley, Conley's just too busy hanging out in his cool uh, cool leisure wear. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a funny thing where like when Kawhi was at the wraps, he was truly, like well and truly the guy. And there was no yeah. denying that if he wasn't there, you're like, you know, they, they they may have scraped into like a sixth seed and got knocked out in the first round. But on the Clippers, you know, Paul George has been that superstar. I wonder if that's part of the 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 thing in his head, like I don't need to be alpha male every single game. Mm. I don't need to do this. I've got someone else who can kind of shoulder that. And then if, you know, if Paul George isn't switched on, then I can put the hammer down i don't really know how his brain works it's so hard to get inside Kawhi leonard's head yeah no one really does huh he's a bit of a bit of a mystery wrapped in an enigma yeah. old uh Kawhi leonard but yeah i i thought like there was times in that maverick series where i thought okay both la teams here are going to get bounced in in round one and the stories that would have come off the back of that would have been mm. one thing but they clawed their way through and it looks like they're clawing their way back into this series with the the number one overall team with the jazz but it's just a health thing like if the jazz can come back it's gonna i think they're gonna make it a hell of a series but at the moment i'd say all the momentum is with the clippers because they have just looked dominant the last couple of games yeah so who do you see going through to the finals at this point I, I still I still see the Clippers making it through to the finals and whew, on on the East like I think the Clippers will, will will go over the top of Phoenix but it might be in like seven games I think it's going to be going to be a bit of a war there because Phoenix are just on fire I think they've won seven straight playoff games now like they are cooking all their guys are performing uh, but on the East side hmm, it's it's a health thing too like like if 
Kyrie can come back. I think the Nets take it out in seven against the Bucks, and then they ultimately take it out over the over the Sixers. So I'm gonna gonna stick with mm. my prediction of Clippers and Nets. I'm gonna stick with my bracket, but it could go either way. Like there, there's not much separating these teams that are left. Yeah, what about I think you? The, I am similarly gonna stick to my prediction of the Bucks being able to to get to the finals. Um, they made such quick work of the heat that I think, you know, they're healthy and, and rested compared to some of the other teams out there. Although, you know, Brooklyn's making them work for it. I just think mm-hmm. that there's so much on the line for the Bucks. They have the most to lose. The The Nets, it's their first season together. You know, they've got excuses. They've got, you know, injuries and it's the first time for Steve Nash. And I just think that... When it comes down to like who wants it more, I can just see the Bucks with the eye of the tiger still like no one on that team sniffed a championship um, compared to, you know, it's just Harden on the nets that's never been there as far as the big three. So I just think like Coach Bud, I don't understand everything he's doing. He's not making Giannis go to the rim. Giannis is taking way too many threes. Some of that's on... Yeah. Antetokounmpo, but some of that is on Coach Bud to uh, rein him in, I think. So uh, if he's realized the error of those first couple of games that weren't clicking, then I think that uh, the Bucks will be hard to stop because they just have a complete team, unlike the Nets. They've got like role players. They've got a whole starting five. You know, they've got... I, I didn't even realize that um, they... Uh, who was the player? That, I didn't realize that Gallinari was even on the Bucks, but they've got Gallinari out there, you know, PJ. No, no, he's on, he's on the Hawks. Oh, that, oh that's, on the right, Hawks. that's right. He, I remember seeing him somewhere thinking like, I didn't realize that he was there. I haven't obviously been watching enough basketball this season. They've got, uh, I think they've got George Hill, right? Don't they? The Bucks. That's, that was their deadline edition. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. PJ Tucker. They've got one of the Lopez's. So I just feel like they have a team that's ready to go to the finals more than anyone else. And you know, the Sixers. They're probably equally hungry with the, the you know the guys and everything they've been through. That that city is just insane, and they've been through the whole process. And that that series, Bucks and Sixers, probably intrigues me more than any other matchup that we still have yet to come potentially. Mm-hmm. But I think it will be the Clippers on the on the other side, Clippers and the Bucks. The reason I go with LA is because I think they have the most potential because they have Kawhi Leonard. I just think. If he stops yo-yoing, if he just, you know, locks it in, if Paul George shows some consistency and gets a little bit of that uh, defensive mindset back that he used to be known for, especially for these teams like the Jazz and the Suns, like they're great teams, but they haven't had the playoff pressure that Kawhi Leonard has faced and come out on top of multiple times not just with the Raps but with the Spurs as well yeah and and even looking at those teams that the Clips might like they're still obviously battling the Jazz at the moment then they got the the Suns if they make it through like there isn't really a couple of capable wings that could guard those two guys night in night out like Booker and Paul are absolute beasts um in the backcourt but like the size they give up to to people like like Kawhi and George is huge and you know Booker's no defensive uh stopper you know no. Paul's Paul's pretty good at, at D but you know he'd he'd slot up then against like Beverly or whoever they got playing the point yeah. in that matchup so I think yeah I think the Clippers are going to make it to the big dance ultimately but I feel if if Brooklyn if they can get one of their troops back in this Milwaukee series and then maybe Harden finally returns in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think they're going to make it all the way and uh, mm. take home the Bickies ultimately against them Clippers. Beverly and Chris Paul will make for some interesting moments, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'll be so good. Be so good. But um, I guess we could um, shift into something like this, eh? Basketball. Yes. And uh, some of the things we we're going to be talking about today, we, we don't have a huge docket as far as uh, talking points for basketball bits, but the first one that we had here was uh, NBA award recap of the mm-hmm. the most recent uh, 
announcements and confirmations of who won what. And I guess the big one, we could start right at the top, uh, the Joker. Nikola Jokic took out the MVP and uh, Tilby had a little byline attached to this headline where it's like, well-deserved question mark. And um, I'd like to say, yes. yes, yes, very much well-deserved. This guy is a freak. Uh, he's one of the best big men that I've seen in quite some time. And I think looking at the, the voting results, it's it's pretty, pretty uh, unanimous around the park. Like you got 91 out of 100 first place votes. So uh, from there on in, it was a little little bit of a, a cluster. So Joel Embiid came in uh, in second place with 586 overall votes. So the Joker, he got 971. Steph Curry, 453. Giannis with 348. Uh, Chris Paul with 139. And then if we jump down to the back end of these votes, we saw Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, and James Harden all finish with one point. And then there was a smattering of people in the middle, like Derek Rose getting one first place vote. So uh, he was in there too. And Julius Randle just above him. So so two New York Knicks guys made the short list for the NBA MVP for the 2020-2021 season. But JP, what do you think? This is this is deserved. This is no surprise to you. No, it's not a surprise. As soon as Embiid got hurt, it was like this is Jokic's sorry Jokic's MVP to take because you know I hate to say that he only won it because of other reasons, like the way that things went with other players. Because that's not true. He actually actually had like an amazing season and could have still won it even if these other guys were healthy, but it definitely made it clearer and a lot easier, uh, especially if you're going to put some money on him, uh, that he was going to win. Um, Embiid was great, but he got hurt and missed a bunch of games in a short season that matters. Steph Curry, again, played amazing, but his team didn't make the playoffs and that matters too. Chris Paul, he just... You know, it's debatable whether him or Devin Booker were the most important person on the team. So whenever that situation happens, I think it's just a bit harder. LeBron was was looking like a favorite for a while, but then got hurt. And, you know, go down the list, Harden, KD, Kyrie, they all had great years and ultimately missed a bunch of time. So it just seemed, you know, when you throw in like Luca, who I picked to win MVP, he wasn't quite good enough for the first part of the year and Lillard probably didn't finish strongly enough to to get up there Mm. when you consider all that Jokic was just the clear and obvious one especially the way that he kept the team together after Jamal Murray went down and they improved their record instead of starting to lose games it's just you love to see it from a big guy who can just do so much with the ball and you know the fact that he's the first center to win since Shaq, was it? Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure you're right. It was Shaq. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can easily throw like Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett in there for, for bigs winning MVP, but you know, purely as you know, the, the biggest dude out on the court and the role that he has on that team, he's definitely the center and he's, he, he deserved it. So the answer to Tilby's question is yes. Well-deserved. 100%. Like, he had a career year in every major category. Most points he's ever shot. Um, highest amount of blocks, highest amount of steals, highest assists, highest rebounds. Free throw percentage was the highest it's ever been. His uh, two-point percentage and his three-point percentage, all career highs so far. And so in his sixth year, he's just on the ascension still. Like, he's only um, 26 years old. So... I don't know if we've seen, like, if this is the best we'll ever see of him. Like, with that age, I'd, I'd like to think there's even further room for growth. But when you've got a center averaging nearly a triple-double with shooting clips like that, it's very, very special yeah. to see. And uh, as as a owner of Nikola Jokic in our <laughs> in our uh, NBA Fantasy League, I'm a very happy, happy man. And uh, congratulations to the big Serbian there. And, yeah, what could have been if Jamal Murray stayed healthy? What could have been this year for yeah. them Nuggets? Who knows? I think they could have gone straight to the finals, potentially. They might not have won it, or they might have you know, just missed out on making it there. But Jamal Murray in the playoffs is something to behold. Like mm-hmm. He was a bit cold coming into the season, like he often is. But yeah, I would have loved to see that. And like Jokic in general, like he's 26. He's not like an amazing athletic, like flying through the air kind of player. So I think his body will 
hold up fairly well for his play style. And it's, you know, you look at his stats and it's impressive. And we've seen big men like Marcus Gasol, you know, rack up a lot of assists and, and stuff like that before. But he actually brings the ball up like he is yeah. the point guard. And that is remarkable that he can do that and is trusted to do that. And even if he, his, you know, his knees give out and, you know, it's all those trips up and down the court, those thousands and thousands of of, uh, of runs over the years, if they start to add up, I could still see him getting like a good eight to 10 assists a game just mm-hmm. from, you know, taking the ball in the post and, and finding a cutter or, or being at the top of the key and setting it up without having to be the one to bring the ball down. Uh, and, you know, it could just be that the, the Nuggets don't have that playmaking point guard to take some of those responsibilities off him that that he does bring the ball down but um yeah i think that he loves it though i think he yeah. loves he uh, loves distributing yeah, like so. we talk about we talk about Porzingis being called the unicorn but but joker he's he's as much of a unicorn if not more so just with with his size and and eye and just feel for the game. Like I love watching him bring that ball up and and pass like, and they're not like secondary assists. Like some of the passes he makes, like some of the best point guards in the NBA would love to be able to make some of those passes. And he makes it look effortless for a dude that, you know, he's in, he's in shape. Like he's definitely in better shape than you and I, but like (laughs) comparative to some of the other NBA players you see running around, like he's a bit of a heavier set dudes and seeing a guy with that kind of build do the things he does. It's, it's so special to watch. Yeah, it, it does remind me of Marcus Sol in that aspect where it's just he's got a bit of extra height. He's got probably got a good few inches on Gazol even, but he can just see over everything and he can pass the ball over everything and he just does it and it's it's awesome to watch. He's so great. I love him. Love him. And yeah, <laughs> congratulations on that MVP award there, Nikola Jokic. But if we pivot to some other... Uh, I guess, awards that were announced and confirmed in this past fortnight. So we had the uh, NBA All-Defensive teams announced and we'll just sort of look at the NBA All-Defensive first and second teams here. So the All-NBA first team, we had uh, Rudy Gobert coming in at the center position, Giannis and Draymond at the forward spots and then Drew Holiday and Ben Simmons at the guard spots. And if uh, we jump to the second team really quick, Joel Embiid uh, at the five, Kawhi Leonard and Bam Adebayo at the four at the forward spots, and then Jimmy Butler and Matisse Thybul at the guard positions. So uh, I don't think there's any. I don't know if I'd say major surprises. Like they're they're like all all uh, ten of those people are renowned mm. defenders. But do you think it's surprising seeing Holiday make first team or even Matisse Thybul um, into the second team? Thybul is a. Uh... It's a good one. It's not a surprise because I've just heard people talk about him so much lately. And he's a and lockdown seeing, little bugger. Yeah, seeing some of the pl- like defensive plays that he's made, it's it's been really great. Um, Drew Holiday just has that reputation, so I think being on a team that's winning games is probably what's done it for him. I was looking up the defensive ratings of all the Bucks players the other day because Tilby was having a whinge about PJ Tucker not <laughs> contributing on the offensive end. That's one of the symptoms of thrush, I think, is incessant whinging. Yeah, so, so. so PJ Tucker, highest defensive rating on that team. Where you see Giannis make the list here, I guess he gets more blocks than, than PJ Tucker. And then Drew Holiday having that reputation. I think it's probably fair uh, for him to be there and probably ahead of Jimmy Butler, who didn't have like a full, complete, awesome mm. start-to-finish season. And Matisse Thybul... Maybe people just weren't paying attention to him because he's not a big name yet. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he keeps keeps in that, that list from year to year or if it's, uh, it's more of a one-off. Yeah, it's crazy to see that uh, we've got uh, several teams here with, with two two players making yeah. the first or second team with, with the Sixers, with the Bucks, and then with the Heat all getting um, a couple of entries into both three, of those teams. Three for so- the Sixers. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, with with eyeball coming in there. Yeah, so um, very very dominant as far as three teams taking out uh, most of those spots there. Draymond, 
I think that's a given. You know, he's he's not an offensive dynamo, but what he brings on the defensive end is, is very special. He can he can guard all five spots yeah. and yeah, you know, very very talented and very smart individual. He needs to settle down on kicking people in the gonads, but uh, you can't deny his defensive prowess. But yeah, yeah. it's uh, what it's no real surprises, but it's cool to see a, a, as you said, like a, a young a young buck in Matisse Tybal ascending and getting a little bit of respect on that nationals on that national stage. What did you think of Rudy taking defensive player of the year? Ah, uh, like you can't argue with it. Like that's his fourth now yeah that sounds right he had back to back and then he missed out one year and then is it back to back again now no Giannis was last year wasn't Mm. he yeah I think so or was Giannis the year before I don't know I think Draymond's won one in there somewhere probably as well but he's definitely won a few and you know it's easier to give it to the big man versus someone like Ben Simmons that I think some people I think he finished second in the votes and then Draymond I I wouldn't Yeah, I wouldn't have been upset or doubted if Ben Simmons got that got that defensive player of the year because he's a freakish talent on the defensive end. And uh maybe maybe Gobert's uh defensive player of the year mantles in question now after getting posted today. So uh, uh happens to who everyone. knows? Happens you, you gotta contest a shot to get dunked on, so you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But he was, you know, he was extinguishing Jar over and over and over in that first round matchup. Sure. But Kawhi just went cyborg today and just went, no, this is this is coming and it's coming for you right now. My question as of recording this is why do we not know the rookie of the year? This is the question on the lips of every Hoop Dreams listener that knows that I've got some money on uh on, You do. On, you've got a you've got a, Anthony uh, Edwards. a blue back on it, don't you? Yeah. So, you know, Jordan Clarkson won sixth man. I had that. Yep, we've got uh, MVP. I've had that, and now for some reason the main event of the awards season is Rookie of the Year. Like surely the MVP. That doesn't make sense to yeah, me, man. Sh- you think it'd be MVP? Yeah. It's like they have to do a recount or something. I don't know. It's it's just bizarre. Like why are they waiting to announce Lamelo or Edwards as the Rookie of the Year? I don't know. It's weird. The fix is in. Who knows? It, it does seem very yeah. strange to me that that is the 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 ultimate award apparently mm. for some reason like and have they announced even like the all rookie teams i don't think they have yet so mm. those teams haven't got announced but like the all defensive teams and stuff has it is very strange how they've they've let it play out this year mm. in that regard you think that'd be like the first awards off the rank yeah right? i would have thought so like sixth man get that out of the way and uh most improved they're the ones that don't matter as much but uh yeah whatever is what it is, but uh, I guess I guess we keep on moving. The other the other big news that's been doing the rounds this past fortnight is uh, everyone's favorite king, LeBron James, uh, has decided at this uh, late time of his career to change from number twenty three back to number six, which he wore in Miami for a for a little while there. Uh, so all them jersey sales and all them Lakers fans uh, who religiously wear that number twenty three, that jersey's worth now nothing. So, uh, you know, he's gone to six. Hmm. You and I have had some discussions through our chat with Tilby about why. And and I think we're in pretty unanimous agreement that this is strictly a cash grab on the back of Space Jam coming out, the the new legacy where he's wearing number six. Hmm. And we think Warner Brothers has just backed up the Brinks truck full of money and said, hey, what's it going to cost, LBJ? What's it going to cost? And now he's jumped to six to tie into all the branding and merchandising that is everywhere now across all the main kids stores around the world as far as uh space jam merchandise so what do you think about this jp yeah i i I struggled to keep up with the the logic to start with and i was trying to figure out exactly what he gets out of this and upon realizing that the players don't get any revenue directly from their nba jersey sales Mm -hmm. and i think you were getting at this if he changes his Lakers number to the same as his Toon Squad number, then I think people will, will be more likely to go out and buy the Toon Squad jersey because it's his, you know, it's the same number they can wear it to the game. It's relevant, blah, 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 blah. Um, I think the 23 will still have some nostalgia because it's the one he wore when he won the championship for them. The mm-hmm. same way, you know, people still rock the Kobe number eight. It's a bit of a throwback, whatever. 
but yeah, it rubs me the wrong way. He he came out and admitted it was because of Space Jam. He didn't go into the specifics of saying because we want to sell more Space Jam jerseys, but he may as well have. It would be the mm-hmm. the honest thing to do because why else? Like, it's you know, it just seems so commercially driven to to make a move like this. And if I was a fan with the jersey, I would be kind of annoyed. I think I'd be annoyed too. Like, especially if you wear that thing religiously, and now, now for the uneducated, they'd see you wearing a twenty-three, but see LeBron with a six on, telling like, "Oh, you bought that jersey from Thailand, <laughs> didn't you?" You know, it's just it would be very disappointing. Like, if you've got memorabilia on the walls you know, or yeah. things you wear, where he was twenty-three, went to six at another team, twenty-three at LA. And now he's back to six. Like, make up like your you mind. Can't fault man. a man for chasing that paper. Make up like, your mind. Like, come on. Like, you're really going to change it because of a movie? Like, I think that's kind of weak. Like on the surface, I know there's probably money. Uh, I don't know. Like, if I was if I was playing <laughs> NBA and I'd be because I'd be rocking my number eleven. But if if Warner Brothers come to me and said, "Hey, we'll give you absurd amount of money to change to number six, would you do it?" I'd be like. Yeah, where do I sign, bro? Like, let's go. Yeah, like, but if I can set myself up. <laughs> but this is LeBron James. Like, he's, he's yeah. How true. much money does he's made of money. have? Like, and how much could they possibly be offering him on top of what they already paid him for the movie? It's just maybe he's got that like that Robert Downey sort of structure now with the the Marvel films where he's getting a clip like a clip um, from the box office takings and stuff. So. Hmm. Yeah, I heard. The, I, I heard the. No, I think it was the No Dunks guys speculating that maybe. He had to wear number six in the movie because there's like a Jordan cameo where he's wearing twenty three. That would be that would be kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, you would think that him wearing twenty three would kind of line up even better as the you know being the the sequel to the first one. But I don't know. Maybe they want him to stand apart from MJ. I haven't noticed any MJ toys in the Space Jam lines. Like I was in Target the other day and there's Space Jam paraphernalia yeah, everywhere, but I didn't see one Jordan, but he's very protective of his his image and his mm. likeness. So they're probably just trying to continually add zeros to the check to get him to sign off to have some MJ merch too. But uh, yeah, LeBron James is going to be playing in number six in the, uh, the upcoming season. So uh, there you go. Mm. There you go. Uh, JP, let's keep this rocking and rolling with just about my favorite <laughs> soundbite of all time. Trade me. Trade me. That's an absolute banger, and we're going to combine it with this because we sort of did this in a way too. Well, we haven't really put a, a ton of preparation and planning into this uh, this episode of Trade Me, but uh, we sort of were talking before this episode is uh, recording now about what we wanted to do, and we thought we'd include the Dallas Mavericks and the Portland, Portland Trailblazers as far as teams that need a little bit of a shake-up, mm. what would we do to improve one or either or both of their futures? Yeah. So, JP, did you want to lead this off with uh, your trade that would improve one of these teams? Sure, yeah. I mean, the, the, the idea, we should say, has just come from so many people, including us probably, saying as these teams were, were knocked out of the race that they just need to, to do something to get some help for... Lillard to get some help for Doncic like these guys are going to waste essentially like they're dragging their teams to the playoffs with a little support from people like McCollum and Porzingis during the regular season who just aren't able to get it done in the playoffs when it matters so what can we do to fix it let's get them out of purgatory into some playoff success. So my trade for the Caval- uh, the, the Mavericks, I should say, is the one that I mentioned to you. And it's it's getting Kevin Love onto the Mavericks because I still mm-hmm. believe, okay. I'm still a believer in Kevin Love. You're still a lover yeah, boy. Yeah, I think that he can still, 
He's got a bit left in the tank. Similar to, you know, people said that Blake Griffin was washed up. He did not have a great start to the year in Detroit. He hasn't even had a good couple of years in Detroit. But look at him in Brooklyn. He is basically playing like <laughs> like the the big four out there, not just the big three. Like he's... Uh, maybe big three and a third. <laughs> yeah. He <laughs> doesn't get a whole number just yet, old Blake Griffin. <laughs> sure. But we've certainly seen flashes of the old Blake who's locked in and engaged and actually wants to be where he is and motivated to play hard and win because he's playing for a championship, which he's never had an opportunity to do since Chris Paul um, and him kind of split up the, the band back in the Clippers. So I think Kevin Love, he's had a year where he's very clearly been disengaged on a team where he doesn't fit in because there's a million bigs on that team who all need minutes and the stars of that team are Sexton and, you know, the young guys. It's not his team anymore. It's not the Cavs that he was traded there to, to be part of. So I think you get him with a guy like Luca, and uh, it's another guy that loves to throw full court passes and can spin the ball around the perimeter like few others and hit the three. I just think he, he gives you what you want out of, of Porzingis. He can hit jumpers and he can, we know he can rebound and box out and make life easier for Porzingis. Uh, sorry for Luca to get those triple doubles. So I just think that he would be a, a good piece. I've also put in Larry Nance jr just because I, I wanted it to, to be balance him salaries. Uh, well, I, so it's Porzingis and Redick for Kevin Love and Larry Nance Jr. So the Cavs get the, the cap room from uh, Redick. He's only got one year left on his contract. I don't know if that's this year. It's probably just this year, actually. So he's coming off the books. This technically doesn't work because it's the end of the season and you can't make trades at this point. Oh, you've you've gone around the loophole. See, I tried with that and failed, so I'm like, no, nope, I'm only doing what I can. Yeah. So Cheating. this is a fantasy world where I guess they they can still trade a guy whose contract's about to end. But that's what I had. Uh, Porzingis and Reddick for Kevin Love and Larry Nance Jr. I think for the Cavs, they get a guy that has, has averaged 20 points a game for the last two years and. I think he would pair kind of nice next to um, Jarrett Allen as the more of the muscle and the rebounding kind of grit and grind big man out there for pausing just mm-hmm. to maybe just focus on offense like he has been. And the fact that he, he can score 20 points a game for the last couple of years, despite, I guess, the issue is his health and not playing a full season. I just think a team like the Cavs, is more likely to roll the dice on him and be like, you know what? Maybe he will have his resurgence here. Maybe our medical team can figure out what's wrong with him. Maybe that we can bulk him up in the way that he won't get hurt. There's always someone that thinks that they can, you know, be the team that transforms the the guy that hasn't quite reached his potential. Yeah. I like that. I think that's a pretty fair fair deal. Like uh you're you're certainly more optimistic than I am on on Kevin Love's uh, value and and what he's still going to bring to the table in his 30s. But I I can see some synergies there with him and Luca. Uh, It's anything, I think, at the moment to to move off of the zinger into something else would be a positive. Like we we talked about the stats he put up during the season. They were impressive, but... All everyone remembers, and me especially, I got recency bias. Was just his poor showing in the in the mm-hmm. finals. Like, you know, that was the chance for him to really stand up and put a stamp on that beside Luca and be the Batman to to Luca's. I mean, be the Robin to Luca's Batman. But it just never happened. You know, the numbers he was putting up for most of those games were woeful. So uh, we'll see if uh, if Cuban and Co do move on from from the unicorn in the new in the new year. So. Um, very curious about that. Um, I've I've got a couple of little trades here that I've been that I've been playing around with, and um, I I had a Porzingis trade. I won't go into the semantics and, and deep level that that you did as well, but I had uh, Porzingis going to the Indiana Pacers. So shift shift him out into the East for Miles Turner and Jeremy Lamb. So you get not only a bit of okay. a defensive presence there to man the five in Miles Turner. You get Jeremy Lamb, who he's nothing special, but he can give you some offense. He can shoot it from deep, and he, I think he'll really complement what 
you know, people like uh, Tim Hardaway is doing over there for Luca as well. So the salaries work. Uh, I don't know if they'd need to add some more to make that happen because I'd, I'd certainly value Miles Turner more than I would Porzingis at the moment because uh, he's, you know, he's a defensive stopper. He swats shots like no one's business and he can shoot out to the three. Mm. Like he's a beast. I love Miles Turner. So um, I could see that trade being similar. Like they've, they've just fired their coach in Indiana. Uh, he's gone, so so maybe they do want to shuffle that roster a little bit. And uh, having poor Zingas and Sabonis there manning the four and five, uh, I think that could be interesting. I think it could work. Yeah. I think it could work. Um, you know, they could sort of almost rotate between the the power forward and center positions on offense and defense to make it happen. But that I think could be beneficial to Luca. They'll they'll sort of clog up that paint. On defense, Turner can add some offense and Jeremy Lamb can shoot a little bit as well. So so that's one. And then another one I thought, I was just like, what kind of blockbuster trade can make happen here? You know? And there's um there's movement at the, the Boston Celtics station. You know, they're the perennial underachievers at the moment. They've had all the picks to do all the things and they didn't do any of it. And now there's, you know, Brad Stevens is ascending to GM Hood and all this kind of crazy stuff. Uh, with with Ainge moving on. So I'm going to say the Boston Celtics trade away Jalen Brown and uh, Naismith just to make the salaries work. And they bring in CJ McCollum and maybe Portland will need to add a pick or something to this to make it work. So McCollum goes to be the running mate of Tatum and Jalen Brown goes across to play with Damian Lillard. So you, you've got a guy there that can, can play the shooting guard spot or the small forward spot who can not only uh, you know put points uh, points on the board, but he can also defend, and I think that's what they're severely lacking, whether it be um, in in their backcourt at the at the two or the three. I think he'd add add a lot to that team where he's not only going to be able to getting point get points, but also lock up a man and, and make that Portland team a little bit more respectable on the defensive end. So it's a big one. It's a bit of a fantasy <laughs> trade, but I thought you know what Dame needs Dame needs a like a one B. Like, yeah. like uh, you know, Jalen Brown, he's a very special talent. Like, you know, he's he's still on on the ascension. And him and Lillard together with like Nurk and Covington and Powell and some of the other boys they got there, I think that could be that could be good and be enough to keep the dame around and keep him happy for another year or two. Yeah, definitely would. I don't I can't see Brad Stevens giving up on his uh his second best player though. <laughs> that's the that's the recall there. Yeah, but McCollum, McCollum could slot in there. Like he'd he'd work in with that Boston lineup, okay? He would. He's a he's a good player. He's also getting sent out of town in my trade as well for the Blazers. Oh, nice. So I've or not nice. Poor CJ. <laughs> but, you know we're just shipping uh, him wherever. CJ's been put in like fantasy, like trade machine deals for years, years and years. Yeah, it's true. But um, you were making fun of some of the trades floating around out there sending Paul George to the Blazers, but that's what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> oh, damn. I've, okay. So this is under the hypothetical that the uh, Clippers don't get further than the current round. So things things okay. have to go badly in the Clippers for them to blow things up. So let's just imagine that uh, they lose. They don't make it past the Jazz. And uh, Paul George experiment is over. We're sending him out of town with... Subash, sorry, Zubash or Zubach. How do you say his name? Zubach. Yeah, Zubach. Uh, throw in Luke Kennard and uh, the Clippers will get back McCollum and Nurkic. So two players that are better than two players they're getting back. But Paul George is kind of the, the, uh, the five-star player in the trade. And I just for the uh, for the Clippers perspective, it's getting a player that's got a bit more of a difference to Kawhi than what um, Paul George does, as far as not crossing over in your strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got a, a more of a dynamic, uh, you know, score in ISO kind of just like. The way that uh, we've seen McCollum do time and time again is kind of like the Lillard light out in Portland versus uh, Paul George, who's more of the uh, you know the wing 
player who wants to drive it and and shoot a big three when he gets a chance. And Nurkic is just like, you know, we all think that he's a pretty special player. Borderline all-star when he's playing really well. Uh, when he's Yeah, when he's playing really well. Yeah. So I think that he could um, do with a change of scenery as well. And that's the deal that I have there. The um, the tough thing with this team in in the Blazers is that McCollum and, and Lillard, like I said, similar to Paul George and Kawhi, they both have the same strengths and weaknesses. So they're like really front loaded in the in the backcourt where I just think having a, a wing like Paul George playing next to Lillard would take some of the pressure off him to have to deliver every single time because McCollum is as good as he has been and he just had like a season where he averaged 23 points a game. He just, at the end of the game, like it's always Dame time. Always. Like it's always, everyone knows the ball's going to Dame and he's going to shoot like a 40-foot three-pointer or whatever he does because that's just what they have to do. And I'm not saying you can't count on McCollum at that point, but he certainly wasn't really stepping up when push came to shove in the playoffs yeah i like that it's it's a it's a certainly a big boy trade and i don't know if the clips after everything they gave away you know they've mortgaged their future and the future's future for for paul george with the amount of picks and even Mm. you know people like shy that they traded away for him and to to admit that it was a failure that early in the piece and almost do a, a one-to-one with no more picks coming back with McCollum because I'd, I'd put them at a similar value in a trade like McCollum's still a young a young start and, and you know Paul's not washed and he'd certainly he'd certainly uh, slot in well with that Blazers lineup you you'd, could put George at the three and then move Norm Powell back to the two as as um, you know your, your your wings and or your and your your backcourt there so so that would work out nicely overall but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If, it depends. Like I'm with you. Like if the Clippers flame out, maybe they do get a little bit bit mm. anxious because Kawhi is a free agent at the end of this season. He can opt yeah. out and go. You know what? This ain't for me, fellas. I'm I'm leaving. And if they are stuck, then with just Paul George only for the next what four years, he signed that big bloody supermax this year. Um, yeah, they're going to be on the eternal treadmill because they got no picks. They got no real plays because they gutted that team for Paul George and this hope and dream that they're going to get a chip. So if they if they get pumped by the Jazz in the next few games and Kawhi bounces, it's going to be rough. So yeah, sell sell while you can and maybe get a little bit more youth back with McCollum and yeah, go go back on that treadmill. So uh, we'll see see if playoff P uh, keeps stepping up in this in this Jazz matchup. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> I love trades. I love trades so much. Yeah. Trades and drafts. That's like my my sports kinks. <laughs> trades and drafts. Me too. I can I, I always want to win the trade though. Um that's the problem. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I I unrelated but related but we did our M, uh, NFL rookie draft on the weekend for our dynasty league and I pulled off a blockbuster of a trade like five minutes before our draft went live where I traded two big players of mine for like the third overall pick, the sixth overall pick and two big players on this other team. I made out like a bandit right. and um, my team's set for the future now. Like won the championship last year. It's This league's been running for three years. I went runner-up, runner-up one. <laughs> so I'm going to try and go back-to-back this year and I'm um, feeling good. I, I believe good. in you. I want to. I want to correct myself when I, when I said Nurkic is a borderline all star. I think I was thinking of Sabonis. To be honest, I got I got oh, confused okay. between my big man Euros. But you know, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. And, <laughs> and he's an all star. So yeah. you know, Sabonis yeah. is uh, two time all star now, isn't he? So yeah, but I mean, I'm looking at uh, looking at Nurkic's season last year. He put up 18 points, 10 rebounds, four assists. One and a half steals, two blocks. That's pretty good. That's like a light version of of um, Jokic, really. Like it's yeah, you know, he's a talent. Like he's a hell of a talent, but he's like it took him a while to recover from that freakish leg injury. Yeah, I, sh- I should now say he's, now yeah, he's back and stepping up. I again. should say that those stats were before he got hurt. So he only played like a month before that that went down. Yeah. Anyway. Anywho, JP, that brings us to the end of another episode of Hoop Dreams. Is there anything you want to say before we maybe close down the court for another fortnight? Uh, 
Anthony Edwards for Rookie of the Year. That's all. You hope so. Your wallet hopes so. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah, I want sure. my $34. <laughs> <laughs> Coming for you, bookies. Yeah. And you know what? You know what? I will be mad if he... Not just, you know, because of the money. I will be mad because LaMelo barely shot a better percentage. Barely. Yeah. Than uh, Edwards. And that's the big knock on Edwards is he takes too many shots and he's, you know, he's he inefficient. He's like a hair under 20 points. Or was it just over 20? I can't remember. Uh, it was, was it thereabouts. Anthony Edwards, you know, he played a lot more games than LaMelo. And uh, he, yeah, averaged 19.3 points a game, almost five rebounds, mm. three assists. It's nothing to, to scoff at and shot about 42% from the field. And I, I'm pretty sure LaMelo was just a, a hair above that. So, you know. Not, do you want the flashy passes or do you want the poster exactly. dunks? That's the question. Yeah. Give me the dunks. Give, Give me the it. dunks. Poor old Utah. But yeah, that brings us to the end of another episode of Hoop Dreams 8-Bit Nation. Thanks for stopping on by and uh, playing a bit of horse with us here in the podcast world. Uh, Matt Tilby, we wish you well. Hopefully you have a speedy recovery. Hopefully that cream does what it's meant to and uh, we have you back in that host chair in two weeks' time when we're going to be talking more Suns. Mm. We'll see if the Suns manage to topple the Jazz or the Clippers or are close to, depending on uh, you know where things are at from, from that series. So uh, fingers crossed that's the case because, you know, all, all jokes aside, it is nice to see uh, the Suns on this on this bit of a miracle run and just seeing the the elation and the pure sense of joy that Tilby has for them at the moment. We'll talk about that in more detail in future episodes, but uh follow on uh follow yeah Tilby on them socials at it's Tilby, follow myself at Brendan 8bit, follow Jono at Jono himself and us as an 8-bit unit at we are 8bit. But until next time, Hoopers, may your shots hit nothing but the bottom. <laughs> of the net. Absolutely. Keep dreaming.